My name is Kareem Yuzeb. My name is Sherma Chambers. My name is Spencer Ostrander. And you're watching Life Minute TV. Sherma Chambers has turned heartbreak into healing and action after her 21-year-old son, Tyler, was senselessly murdered in Brooklyn on the eve of Christmas Eve 2020. The tragedy set in motion a chance meeting between Sherma and photographer Spencer Ostrander at Tyler's funeral. They partnered with writer Paul Auster to release Long Live King Kobe. The book chronicles the devastation of their large multi-generational family in the wake of the horrible tragedy. Sherma has also created the Long Live King Kobe Foundation with the mission to combat street violence with compassionate, peaceful initiatives and offer support to the families of victims. First, tell us about Tyler. Um, you know, his personality, who was he, and your relationship <laughs> to him. Well, I'm going to start out. Hi, my name is Sherma Chambers. I'm Tyler Kobe Nichols' mom. Um, what can I say about Tyler? Very goofy, um, always joking around. If he has a problem with you, he'll tell you about it and move on, give you the shirt off his back. Ooh, what do you have to add? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tyler, uh, I think it's, it's quoted in the book as well that uh, he was the sharpest edge of the family. Uh, the whole family lives in one house, basically, and he absorbed everyone's characteristics and emulated it in front of everyone. And so intelligent, charismatic, a storyteller, a, a protector. He took care of grandma um, when none of us could. And being the youngest in the house as well, he's just lived multiple lives, it seemed. So... Yeah, um, for me, he was a cousin, but uh, our family's so close that he was my little brother, you know. But yeah, not an individual you can sum up in words, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And can you tell us about the night he was murdered? So um, I think in this conversation, I like to like bring it all into context. Um, so Christmas was everyone's favorite holiday. Um, that's very common that it is, and we were all like, you know, preparing for Christmas. And then um, the eve of Christmas Eve, you know, Tyler's someone who never leaves the house. He's always home. He tells his girlfriend of 10 years, uh, if, you know, go out and I'm here. He, that's why grandma would always call on him. But uh, being the holidays, he just wanted to get out the house and go get a haircut. And um, they were walking back, uh, him and his brother Shane, and some guys, he, Shane just looked in the vehicle, just saw movement and looked and continued. The door opened and guys came out and saying, what the, what are you looking at? And um, Shane put his hands up and, you know, no problem. And then the guy called three more guys and um, engaged with Shane. And that's when Tyler, you know, engaged with the guy. And um, we don't really emphasize this uh, as much as we should, but uh, basically, Tyler was hit in the stabbed in the back. I'm, I have to go into detail, um, you know, and for those who can't take it, I'm sorry. But he was stabbed in the back um, when he went to protect Shane, and then he had a moment where he had to deal with what his body was going through, and his brother getting beaten up on the ground by four other people. And um, when he decided to go and save his brothers, when the guy came in the front and stabbed him three times in the front of him. And um, then they ran and Shane Tyler had a moment where he said, look, 
bro, I think I got stabbed. Now, mind you, these people don't know our family from anywhere. We were all home. I was in the living room, and then the door flings open, and his girlfriend, Ashley, says, Tyler is leaking up the block. And uh, it's a moment. We were just watching YouTube videos, laughing for the holidays, and then the contrast, everything shift immediately. And I went running up the block. Um, Shane was there, and Tyler was leaned up against a wall. And um, we've, we're not in any activity, anything that's normal like that for us. So this was a complete shock of reality for us. And um, I took off my shirt. Shane said he's bleeding. I tried to puncture, hold pressure on the wounds, and I'm holding Tyler and screaming, Tyler, Tyler, I'm trying to keep him there. And um, his eyes rolled, and everything happened there. And that's when, you know, the, the downward spiral of reality sinks in. So um, we informed Auntie, and then... Yeah, so I was at work, and I got a call that something happened to Ty for me to come home. And I kept asking what's going on, but I can hear all the commotion in the background. <clears throat> so right away, I, I realized that something bad had happened. And I left work. A friend of mine drove me to the hospital, which it was the incorrect hospital. So I'm, I met Kareem and Chris there on our way to go to the correct hospital. That's when Shamari, Tyler's older brother, he went in the ambulance with Ty. He called and said he didn't make it. And all I remember saying is, don't tell me that my baby boy is gone. But we got to the hospital. They let us know what was going on. And then they told us that I asked to see him. And they said, oh, you can't see him. His body is evidence and all of this. I'm just still in shock still now. All of us are there. But driving home is when I realized because the caution tape and everything was around down the block from the house. And then I realized, I said, wow, he wasn't just taken from me by death, he was murdered. So. And you have such a big, tight-knit family. How did your family move after? So by the time I got back to the house, the house is filled. I mean, everyone is there, all Tyler's friends, my cousins, everyone, and we're just trying to wrap our brain around what's really going on. Um, my sister, Desri, she basically, she's the one I called to let know because I didn't want to tell my mom. And she was devastated. But I think because of the type of family that we have, we just, just pulled each other in and we just, started the preparation of getting ready for his funeral and what's going on. But I think because of the family that we have, that's why we can do what we're doing now. And tell us, how did the book come about? Oh. <laughs> you won't take that one, uh, Spencer. <laughs> the book itself happened by accident. We, um, I was working for three years on another project called Bloodbath Nation, which is a book that comes out this January. Uh, in collaboration with the writer, Paul Oster. And at one point in doing the book, I started to go to funeral homes. My, my colleague, Peter Van Ackman, said, you know, you can go to funeral homes, they have different laws. So I started going to funeral homes. I went to a funeral home on January 8th, 2021. And the funeral director said, come back on Sunday, there's a 21 year old who was shot. 
And so I show up at this funeral and I meet Sharma. Mm -hmm. And, and I looked at her and I told her what I was doing and I asked her permission to photograph the funeral and she said yes. And I gave her this hug. I, the warmest I, hug. I asked you if I could hug you. <laughs> yes, um, he was like, can I hug you? And um, I gave her a hug and, and I went to the funeral and I was incredibly moved. And I went home that night and I looked it up and I realized that in fact, Tyler was stabbed, he wasn't shot. So he wouldn't actually fit into my gun book. So I didn't really know what to do. There was kind of a moral dilemma. I had met this woman, but I, you know, I didn't know. And a week later, she was going through her pocketbook and she called me. And she said, hey, would you like to speak about Tyler and come over to the house? And I said, if you're willing to share, certainly. And so I came over and I met Kareem and Chris and, and I really fell for the family. And I started taking some portraits. I went home, my wife and I were staying with with my in-laws at the time because we were moving and we sat around the table and started sharing these photographs and we all start crying and and we thought you know what let's see what we can do let's let's try to help then for the next five months <laughs> there was a collaboration with the entire family and an extended friend group where I would sit with people for for 20 minutes and and take their portrait and then Eventually, I got everybody's consent to sign off on the, the words that were written and how Paul Oster ended up deciphering them all and, and editing them down. And it became a collaboration between everyone. Yeah. And, and I just want to add that at the time when Spencer came by, I think we already know as a collective group that we're going to keep Tyler's legacy alive. We know that. We already form the LLKK, like Shane was like, long live King Kobe. And right away we were like, that's what we went with. So Spencer coming around and speaking to us at that time, I felt like, and a lot of others said it, that it helped with our grief. Because sometimes when you have death in a family, everyone pulls back. They don't want to speak about it. It's not going away. It's there to stay. This is a journey. So Spencer coming into our life at that time and allowing us to speak about someone who we just lost, that helped a lot with the grief. A lot of times when, when someone's killed, you read in the media about the death, but you don't learn about the family and the friends and the people that are forced to have to carry on with their lives wounded. In meeting and becoming close with Sherma and her family, I see them everywhere. <laughs> I see them, I see, I run into, you know, they're my friends now, and I see them on the subway, I see them in different stores, I see them all around the city, and then you start wondering, how many people that you encounter every day are holding such trauma inside? Yeah. And this was what I wanted to do with the book. I wanted to show the life of one, one special loved person, and how so many people can be affected for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Right now, there's over 120,000 people a year shot in the United States, over 45,000 killed and 80,000 wounded. How many families and how many friends, coworkers, are lives to change forever? And that's where I want the discussions of these tragedies to go. I want, I want people to look and, and have compassion for one another and know that everybody's going and carrying the weight of their lives with them. Did you feel like you got to really know Tyler through? <laughs> One of the topic? strangest things about this was getting to know Tyler through his death and and 
realizing what an incredible person he was because the way he's been carried on. Shura and Kareem were not anti-violence activists. This came to them. Yeah. And, and in order for their grief to continue on, to stand up and, and raise Tyler up, it became this, this mission that they're now on. Yeah. And, and they've taken it and, and just ran with it. And I could not have been more proud and more honored than to work with with the whole family. If, if I could just add there, the, um, so after that night there, Auntie describes like just coming and seeing the tape um, block off on our street. This is the street where Tyler grew up, yeah. was born, came in as a baby and now taken. And um, a, a street so pivotal for the family, tape wraps the corner and then a few days later the tape is gone. Um, the moment strikes and then what happens thereafter. So Auntie talked about it just now, but our family t formed over many months in which you, you came in at the perfect time yeah. because our family formed this tight, rock solid bond. Uh, we all lived in the same house together, but even those that didn't live there were just sleeping there. Everyone was just <laughs> Everyone together was for so three, four, five in the morning, crying, looking at each other, validating that this actually occurred. Yeah. And um, our family formed that mechanism and literally all the love and the void that we had at that moment, we just now expressing it out into the world, expressing it out into families that don't have that connection into into interconnected uh, mechanisms to deal with these things. So we started doing healing sessions for the community, inviting people of the community who's been struck by such violent crimes. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do later on? We've had um, a session where um, I'm going to talk about the mother's loss, where a mother lost her son. But before the son murdered himself, he murdered his girlfriend. And at the healing session, is where she actually was able to release this energy. And all the mothers formed a circle around her of encouragement and lifted her spirit for her to actually release this. And like Spence was saying, we this is just our natural forward motion of healing. And then we just connected with the, the, the matrix, basically, of people needing the same thing. Yeah. So... All of the book and uh, the LLKK Foundation and all of the activity going forward is literally us taking this void and the love, the symbolic love of Tyler and just out into the world because the opposite direction is destructive. Mm -hmm. There's so many powerful images in the book. Which <laughs> one is the most to each of you? Ooh. I'm going to Go say, um, so there's a picture of there of my cousin Junior, which is uh, his long dreads, and he's kind of looking off, um, off of the camera. And that picture means so much personally because uh, Junior said something, and these phrases start coming up after, in the grieving period, which is it just blows your mind. But Junior said something, and it stuck me. He said, this is the last version of Tyler we're ever going to see. We're not going to see him at 30, at 40, at 50. We're not going to see him. But that picture captured Tyler. Now that he's gone, we're seeing elements of him in the family. Yes. And he's more vibrant now. And his brother looks Junior. 
just like him now at 36, 37, 38. Yeah. So that picture basically was, we didn't get a chance, but look at Tyler here now, you know. I so. would say mine is the, it's not really the photo, it's the quote of my oldest son, Shamari. He said that, knowing the type of person Tyler was, if he can do anything on the other side, he's gonna make it happen. And honestly, I, I, I don't know if it's, I, I really don't think it's crazy, but I see signs of him making things happen. So that's my favorite, I quote. My favorite are actually two images. The first one was a photo of Sherma at the funeral with a cardboard cutout of Tyler and she's, she's greeting other mourners, followed by months later, that same cardboard cutout in the living room, which yeah. is on the cover, yeah. which, is, which is faced away. And it's, it shows his presence that's still in the room and still affecting everybody's lives. Yeah. And going back to the foundation, when did you create it? And Ooh, immediately. Yeah, that was probably the, the week of where the it was just of. like, we were all in the living room and it was like I said, it's this validation, this eye to eye validation. Like, okay, this happened, we're crying. But right after the, the horrific tears is this like moment of strength that pierces through and we were all we were there so we were able to go through that strength together and it was just like what are we gonna do yeah we have he has to be everything everyone needs to know about him and, and that's how we've just been speaking his name out into the world because like i said the moment just take it just was taken from us like it was it, something from left field entirely I will give you an example of how soon we started making sure Tyler's legacy lives on. Tyler's best friend, Matt, his birth is January 1st. Um, his friend, Kessler, that's why they really went for the haircut, because they were going to take Kessler out for his birthday. His birthday was January, um, December 24th, the day after Ty passed. And Matt was so devastated when, I mean, it's been like about a week after and his birthday came around and, you know, he's like, no, I don't want anything. I'm devastated. And we were all sitting there and they bought a cake for him and he was sitting there devastated. And I took up the cake and I went over to him and I started singing happy LLKK, happy LLKK, because now we, that's our birthday song because we always celebrated everyone's birthday in the house, whether it's friend, family. So that's how soon LLKK came about. And that's been our mantra ever since. It's the birth of the foundation. And it's the birth of the foundation, yes. So you mentioned the, the sessions that you do with families, mm -hmm. victims. Um, what else is the foundation working um, Well, we just recently had a basketball tournament where we had over 100 boys came out for the hot Saturday, July 23rd. They came out and it was a phenomenal day. We really enjoyed that. And I spoke to the boys because I have a community center in my house. My house is a community center. It's always been, that's how I raised my boys. They were welcome to bring their friends there to hang out and be in the house. I'd rather them in the house than on the streets. And it's ironic that Tyler was taken from us on the streets. But my intention for the foundation is for us to be able to have a space, have a community center where young men can come and be there and be off the streets and help each other through this life. Because what's happening now on the streets is 
absolutely crazy. And then for moms, family members who want to come out and we can have our healing session, maybe not once every three months, but have it once a month, the different ones that we do have support groups for moms. Because I've met a lot of mothers. I've met a lot of family members. I'm very lucky to have the family that I have. And a lot of people don't have that. So that's what our intention is. And we right now we've been trying to have healing sessions like every three months, but we push back a lot because COVID and different things were happening at the time. But our intention is to get the next healing session that we're getting ready to do. It's called Brother to Brother. And it's about care to young men. I have a young man who lost his brother about, I would say, 24 years ago, and he's not releasing. He's been there for his mom. He's been there for everyone, but no one was there for him. He's one of the young men I want to have speak at the brother to brother. And it's simple. It's all about coming together and giving them a platform to speak and speak about your loved one who you lost. And it's not just... When people are talking about this type of violence, they're not talking about the intergenerational trauma that gets passed down between the generations. In their house are family members between the ages of 7 and 79, and they've all had to process this death at the same time. Rain, who's now 8 years old, yep, going on 80. is going to be dealing this with this the rest of her life. Her kids are going to be dealing with the death of Tyler. And so that's something that people need to be very conscious of. Yeah. We have a new addition to the family, Sage. She's gonna be a year old next month. But growing up, she's gonna know of Uncle Tyler, even though she never met him because he's all over. He's in the house, he's everywhere, pictures everywhere. Because I met a young man who lost his dad. He was nine months old and he's now 42. And he said he has one picture of his father. His father was also murdered. Everyone shut down, no one spoke about him, no pictures, nothing. And this happens more often than you would think, yeah. but it's not something that is surveyed or scientifically quantified. It's just like, you know, people going through these things in silence. You don't know what's going on beyond the, behind the eyes of someone. And um, I just want to like reiterate that even though we, we talk about Tyler, it's, it's part of our grieving to talk about Tyler, but um, LLKK, focuses on literally anyone who's going through something like this because the the transparency that we are having with our experience we hope to then use that action to inspire people to look be transparent about it because let it out that's the only way you're actually going to compartmentalize it and and heal from it so it's we talk about tyler for us but please Talk about your loved one, express what happened, be gory, be honest, so that the healing process can happen. And at a mother's loss, there were eight mothers who've lost children to violence. Yeah. Now this is, Sherma had a one degree separation from each one of these women. Yeah. And this is a hardworking, honest family, never involved in any crime. And she knows eight people who've lost kids to violence? Yeah. You know, but these mothers that get together, there's nowhere else that that mothers can get together and talk about their kids with other family members who've experienced the same type of grief because it's different. It's not like he died of cancer. Exactly. He was taken. Split second. And and that that needs to be recognized. And how many people have you been able to reach out to? The, um, so there's a like there's O two seven. Um, which is the uh, East so, 19th and East 8th Street. Yeah, it's 
So O two seven, and it's actually I just found out honestly that Tyler actually came up with that. So the boys have friends who they went to school with, junior high. So our block is East Eighth Street, and some of the boys live on East Nineteenth Street. So they put both numbers together and come twenty seven as you add it up. So they formed a little group O two seven. That's why I said my house is a community center. So the 027 group, they support me. They come to the house, they're there all the time. And a lot of their friends and family members, that's how we branch out and have them around. But I would say, back to your question, how many people we touched, I would say so far it's maybe about 200. I wouldn't say it's a measurable amount because we don't know any com- all the conversations. It's, it's the, all around. So during Tyler's funeral, uh, during COVID, and just to give like a perception <laughs> of how many people he's touched, which is I didn't know, even as my very close one. Um, we had to have six feet in between everyone, so every other seat is filled, and um, we didn't think that you know that'll be enough space at least for at least a family or something. So they opened up the other side of the room for whoever comes. And when we went up and started the service and turned around and saw the sea of people packed in this auditorium, in a sense, of grievers and people that Tyler has touched. Even for me, looking back at it, it's like, oh, there's a wow factor in terms of who this individual was. He was a therapist for people much older than him because he never left the house. You knew where to find him. So the amount of people that he has touched are our followers in a sense and keep not only anti-centered because they come to the house constantly and, hey, are you good? Are you good? Are you good? But in everything that we have, the, they're the automatic support. So, and whoever they touch. So we just, it just branches out organically, but as organically as it's required because people are going through this. You know, and we we will never stop because the scar is there for us. It doesn't matter what avenue we'd have to take. We, we, it's healing for us to talk his name. So this book, the foundation, uh, everyone watching this, it's even just as a personal experience, it's grieving in an umbrella term, you know. <laughs> and how can people get the book? They can order it at their local bookstore. They can order it through zebooks.com. They can order it. Target, Walmart, Amazon, Amazon, Barnes yeah. and Noble, and the proceeds are going to the the foundation. the foundation. All the proceeds go to the Lung of King Kobe Foundation. How can people help out the foundation? We also have um, our website online, www.longlivekingkobe.org, and then we're also on Instagram, and the links are on the Instagram um, bio, but. We do have a GoFundMe for um, the community center, and we do have a GoFundMe just for donation of, to help out the foundation. After he passed, a lot of a lot a lot of people um, donated to the GoFundMe, and I didn't want to use that money to for burial or anything. I wanted to be the one to deal with that, so I turned that money over into an account and that's what we started up having our healing sessions and everything went right back into the foundation. And do you think there's an answer to stop this senseless 
violence? I honestly think it needs to start from elementary school, to be honest with you, because the kids, they need to know that young man who took Tyler's life, he was only 18. 18, why are you so angry? I mean, if you, if there's a problem and you want to fight it out, tough it out. Why you feel the need to pull out a knife and take someone's life? You don't know him from anywhere. And now you change your life. You change your family life because now you're incarcerated. For what? For nothing. It wasn't worth it. So I honestly think we need to start from, from young, like elementary, junior high. Start speaking about kids because I feel like the generation today, they snap into anger and they don't think about the consequences. When you start thinking about the consequences, it's too late. We can't wait until they're in junior high and high school to start trying to talk to them. No, they need to know from now, from elementary school. It's all about loving each other and taking care of each other. For some reason, we got away from that. I'm from the Caribbean and we have a saying, it takes a village. Because if you do something wrong, and you go up the block, your mom is going to hear about it by the time you get to your house. So they already scold you where it happened. And then when you get home, they heard about it. So that's how we have to be. We just can't turn a blind eye and say, hey, it's not my problem. Yeah. It's everyone's problem. I think it's multidimensional too. Like you, you said, she said the word love and it's, it's preventing would be, it's almost like how can you go in the mind of every person? But uh, when there's a sense of community and love and no separation, which that's what LLKK is trying to push out because that trauma, like you said, is intergenerational. Yeah. If people, the parents don't deal with the trauma they're going through, they're not going to be able to uh, parent properly the child that they have, which is therefore just going to keep on passing on these, I would say, demonic energy, which goes into the street and then hits someone like Tyler, who has nothing to do with any of that. So it's, it's like every level, love and unity and this, you got to get rid of the separation of colors and, you know, just all these class separations, everything it has to get rid of it. Because when you look at someone and say, this could be my cousin or this could be my brother, why will I harm him? It would prevent you from harming someone. But if you look at someone like separate from you entirely, whether it's a gang, whether it's a, whatever the degree of separation is, then you easily do something like this. You know, I would say love and unity. And you mentioned Tyler's legacy, but what exactly do you think he would want his legacy to be? <laughs> oh, wow. First of all, I would say that I don't even think Tyler would want all of this. I'm being honest with you because Tyler is the type, he just lay low. He's in the back. <laughs> he's, he's not about flashy things, nothing like that. So... I think he will be proud of me and because he know that it brings me some form of peace and this is how I deal with my grief, he will, he will want me to go forward. But I think at the end of the day, Tyler just wants to know that everyone's okay. Because I think, I keep telling everyone because they tell me, oh, you're always smiling, you're always so upbeat. I do that because of him. Because if he knows that I'm not okay, he's not going to be okay. And I know he's gone and he's passed on, but my motherly instincts still have me being a mom. And he would want me to be happy. 
So I can't bury my head in the sand and just shut down. He would want me to go on and do whatever makes me happy. So if he, I know definitely the basketball tournament. I, I know he was there with us going, are you crazy? Double Did overtime. you see that? Because <laughs> the championship game went into double overtime. So, and mm. one of his friends was so passionate. This young man scored the last point, the two second, seconds. like what, two seconds, two seconds before the time. And they were able to win the tournament. And he was, he made tears come to my eye. He said, Ty, what I told you, I told you I was taking this for you. I told you. Because now the team who won the championship gets to keep the trophy for a full year. And then we're just going to rotate it. So it's an annual thing that we're going to be having because Tyler was a huge basketball fan. That's the name Kobe. Because I named him after Kobe Bryant, not even knowing. He died. And he took on that. He went to basketball camp with Kobe, and so, yeah. He would, he would want us to make this world a better place, whatever little that we can contribute. And like I said, if it's just to save one young man on the street of Brooklyn, I've done my job. Even with the young man who's incarcerated now, I'm hoping that he can maybe go in and find somewhere where him losing himself there is not going to bring Ty back. So I would like to speak to him. I would like to, I won't say, uh, I think I'm crazy, but I honestly would love for him to learn from his mistake and come out and pay it forward and speak to some of these young men because the generation that we have right now, we have to work hard with them for them to see what life is about. So if he can come out and pay it forward and assist, even join the foundation, you know. And I'm serious because you you got to start from somewhere. And Tyler didn't die in vain. He did not die in vain. Is there anything else anybody would like to add? Hello, KK. Long live King Kobe. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv.